1 Timothy chapter 2, and we started, we started 1 Timothy chapter 2 last week, and we got a little ways in, and what we did is we went back and kind of reminded ourselves of some stuff that's taking place in 1 Timothy chapter 1, and one of the things that's interesting, and I'll, I'll just, I'll plug this real quick, um, this is a book, I've had the PDF version for years, and I was like, I really want the, the book, the actual book. Um, so I purchased one of these. It's called The Apostasy of the Christian Church. Uh, I made mention of it last week. The subtitle is How We Got to Be in the Mess We Be In. And I told you last time, it's not good grammar, but the author, uh, Bob Barlow, it's his daughter that, that asked that question. How do we be the mess that we be in? So that's the reason that he's done that. So that's the subtitle for it. Uh, so I picked up a copy for myself, and I'm reading through it. And I picked up another copy that we can have here in the, uh, the, book, the book room, if you want to call it that. Um, but there's, there, there's some things that he goes through uh, that's really interesting that a lot of times people don't really pay attention to apostasy and really the, the origin of it. Um, the apostasy of, of, of the church, the body of Christ, began during Paul's ministry. And it didn't exist before that because the body of Christ didn't exist before that. <laughs> so, you know, you, you, you got a few things that's taking place there. Um, but a lot of folks, they look at stuff and say, well, this is just all things that's going on now. And what's interesting is, uh, and I'll just kind of point this out, and I probably should have just bought a whole bunch of copies, but I bought, I bought one for the church. In, in one of the chapters, he goes through dealing with... Um, Folks specifically in 2 Timothy, and he points out um, Phygelus and Hermogenes. Um, and it, it's interesting because he's like, there's two people in every chapter. And then you've got Hymenaeus and Philetus in chapter 2. Then you've got Janus and Jamboris, which is really dealing with Moses back there. But it's interesting, there's always a couple, couple of folks that are involved. Uh, and in chapter 4, he brings up Demas, or in the fourth, fourth group that he brings up is Demas and Alexander. Um, and what's interesting is he takes a look at their names and how those are part of what that apostasy is. Um, I say that to say this. This is a really interesting read, and, and if you'd like to, uh, we do have it here um, in, in our, uh, our books, bookshelf over there. Um, but I also have this when I'm rereading this. I like having, I want to hold on to something. All right, having a PDF on my on my tablet or computer it's really good to copy and paste things but this is i love having the written word in my hand um, so i commend i commend that book to you especially since we're dealing with some of these things and two of the guys that he mentions in second timothy he mentions in first timothy chapter one at the end about um Hymenaeus and alexander and so it's interesting if you take the stuff that he that that barlow puts forth um, about those two guys in 2 Timothy, it shows up in 1 Timothy as well. And of course, they're part of the apostasy, apostasy that's taking place in Ephesus. Right? And then a little bit later on, Hymenaeus and Philetus show up in, in 2 Timothy. And what they're doing is they've erred according to the truth because they're telling people that the resurrection's already taking place. And they're mistiming things. And when you miss time elements, you're going to end up in a mess every single time. So just, you know, it, I, I commend that to you. If you'd like to, if you'd like, um, not everybody run up there at the end and just grab it and sign it out. But 
be like uh, Black Friday. I remember working at Radio Shack and we had Black Friday and we had Bluetooth headset, little earpieces, $10. We had people ripping them off the magnetic strip. It's like it's locked on there. And then they're fighting over this. I'm like, anyway, who has one now? Nobody? Exactly. All right. First Timothy chapter two. Again, I commend that to you. If you'd like, if you'd like a personal copy of it, let me know and I'll get it for you. All right. Uh, but it, it, is a, it, is, it is a fantastic read. Um, Barlow, we've got a few others that Barlow had written over here too. So a lot of stuff he's written I would commend to you. He didn't. He didn't. Um, but there's a couple other things that's to that as well. As, but, yeah, no, you're right. First um, Timothy chapter 2, we'll start here at verse 1. We'll read the first five verses. Uh, and then we'll get going. Verse 1, I exhort therefore that, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word. As we take a look at this information, may we allow your word to be the final authority in all things, that uh, we can come and, and study what's going on here, and uh, that we might be able to apply these things in our lives, uh, that we would be to the praise and honor and the glory of your grace. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, one of the things we talked about the last time is this issue of he, he starts off, and of course, again, we mentioned this. When Paul wrote this letter to, to, to Timothy, he's not writing the first 20 verses and then says, okay, here's chapter 2. This is a completely new thought, right? And we see that because of that, that third word, I exhort therefore. So based upon the things that I said in the first 20 verses or the things that I've written in the first part of this epistle that I've written to you, there's some things that I need you to know and understand that based on those things, he says that, first of all, the first place that he says to start is what? Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for who? For all men. And of course, you got to think, in the context, who are the all men that he's talking about? Or I should say it this way, who are the all men include? Well, those that teach other doctrine, those that are giving heed to fables, and those that are that are that are into gen endless genealogies and he even points out Hymenaeus and Alexander saying them and so then part of who he's saying to pray for the all men would include those people now what do you think that he's probably asking him asking Timothy to pray for that they would what come into the knowledge of the truth that they would stop and that they would stop thinking the way that they're thinking and get in board and get online with what's going on. Now, as you go down through here, and we, we, we've mentioned the issues of, of, of you know, when you're, when you're dealing with supplication and prayer and intercessions, ah, one thing that's interesting to me, and I didn't mention this last time, but intercessions, notice it doesn't say intervenings. You ever notice that? It's not, don't pray, don't, don't go into prayer and things like that. For intervening, it's intercessions. When you think of something intercession, 
It's the idea of coming together on things. And what's one of the points that he's bringing up here in 1 Timothy chapter 1 is what? There's people that are out here doing stuff, and what is the parts of the prayer is what? That they would come back in to the right thinking. And so, you know, you go through all those things, and then that issue of giving a thanks, be made for all men. Verse 2, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Now, pause there real quick. What's the purpose of supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks for all men, including kings and all that are in authority? The purpose of that is what? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. And, of course, we said that issue there isn't that we're going to pray that our guy gets elected in office so that we can go do what we're supposed to do. Otherwise, he wouldn't say what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 of preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. There's times where we're not going to be able to do the things that we need to do, but what are we exhorted to do? Continue doing them. Is your life going to be peaceful when that happens? As far as, no. But where are you going to have peace? Notice, he says that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life where? In all godliness and honesty. Where is, where is the quiet and peaceable life that you're going to live is going to be in the godliness and in honesty. And we talked about that issue of godliness last time. It's not just, it's not, it, it has to do with the issue of proper worship. Part of proper worship is what? Allowing God's word to say what it says, mean what it means, and not to add stuff to it. Not to just say it means something. You know, we said earlier about don't make it allegorical. Unless, of course, it tells us it's allegorical. You know, in Colossians 2, when Paul says, As you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. He's using a simile there, saying, As this thing took place, so should this other thing. But you, you look at those things. He tells us, here's things that we need to pay attention to and stuff like that. Now, where we left off the last time, and I just want us to kind of mention this and, and go through this again. Verse 4. He says, for this is good. Now, last time when we looked at good, one of the things we brought up was, what does it mean that something's good? That it matches the pattern, right? Matches the blueprint. The point of all this is what? What God is asking us to do is to pray, and one of the things that, that, that if we actually do this stuff, then what is it? It matches what God wants us to do. Part of our life is to do that. Go real quick over to Ephesians chapter 6. And we, we, you know, we look at these and, and, and you, see, you see this in, in, in Paul's life all the way through. But, and there's different places we can go and get this. But <clears throat> this is one of those things when we start looking at what's good, what does it mean to be good, is that it matches the blueprint. It matches the, 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 what God is asking of us. Right? Notice Ephesians chapter 6. And we'll just start here at verse 10. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Where is he asking us to be strong? In the power of your own might. No. Be strong where? In the Lord. Are you in the Lord? If you're in Christ, if you're saved, if you've trusted in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, God has taken you out of Adam and placed you into Christ. And what Paul is saying here, the Holy Spirit through Paul is saying what? Be strong in the Lord. Understand your position. Understand who you are. 
Now, part of that is, hold your place there, go to Ephesians chapter 1. Part of, part of that, and, you know, we'll just, we'll just go through these things, hitting some stuff. <clears throat> Be strong in the Lord. Understand who you are. And if you don't understand who you are, you can't be strong there. Right? Now, notice some of the things that we have. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Where? So there are some things that Paul is going to lay out here and says that what? These are things that you all currently have as saints of the Most High God. So the folks here at Ephesus, you notice there in, in verse 1 where it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. That's you. He's writing this to you too, by extension. Now, what's interesting is, notice what he says, verse 4. He's going to start listing, here are your spiritual blessings. And of course, there's not all of them, but he's going to start listing them. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. That, here's the purpose. Why did he choose us in Christ? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. <clears throat> That's you. When God sees you, he sees his son, who is the beloved. And what do we know about the beloved? And when Jesus Christ is, is, is baptized, God the Father says what? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Have you ever stopped to think about the fact that you're accepted in the beloved also means that, in, that you, that God finds you well pleasing. <laughs> you take that to most churches today, what will they do to you? That left foot of... Left foot of uh, fellowship right out the door <laughs> how dare you come in and tell us that we're that's not because we're good not because we've done things but because we have simply trusted in what christ has done god says i am well pleased with you you stop and you think like i'm not even pleased with myself but then he says i'm pleased with you so what should we start thinking he's pleased with me so what should i do when we talk about the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. When you look at all the things that God's done for you, and we talked about this before, grace isn't some license to sin, but grace says what? This is who you are. This is what you have. This is how God sees you. Change your mind and understand that that is true about yourself, whether you feel, about, feel that way or not, because it's true. And it's like, are you sure? He says, yes. Why? Because you're in my son. You know, Brother Jordan says all the time, if you could ever grasp the love that the father has for the son, you would love him just the same. And I don't think we're, I don't think we're there. We can get there because we've got the opportunity to do that. Because if we actually look at the verse and he says, we're accepted in the beloved. All the people today are looking for acceptance. Accept me for who I am. I don't want you to accept me for who I am, but I'm glad that God accepts me for who Christ is. And you look at that and he says, he says what? That 
The purpose is that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to, his, according to the good pleasure of his will. <clears throat> to know that we have been, that God is saying that if you're in Christ, then you are predestined to the adoption. Well, what's the adoption? That's the resurrection of the body. You go over to Romans 8 and you find that out. And he says what? <clears throat> unto the adoption of children. How? By Jesus Christ. What makes it possible for us to have the adoption of children? To the point in Romans 8, he says that you're what? You're heirs of God and what? Join heirs of Christ. You have everything that Jesus Christ has, and God gives that to you the moment you get saved. And you're just like, I don't deserve it. He says, I know. That's my grace. That's good to know. And it's according to what? <clears throat> Notice, to the what? Good pleasure of his will. That means that, that that's what? According to his plan. It matches his blueprint. Verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. In whom? What do we have? We have redemption. How? Through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. According to what? The riches of his grace. What do we get? <laughs> this is part of our spiritual blessings as we get this. He says, here's what you have. Verse 8. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Having made what? Known. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will. And we've said before, it's not just here's my will, but he's saying what? Here's something that was previously not told you have. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his what? Good pleasure. <laughs> Again, it's that issue of his, his plan. God had a plan that he called wisdom. And through that plan that he called wisdom, he says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get back the heaven and the earth through the death of Jesus Christ. And the son says, I will gladly go and do that. You know, we think about those things. He says what? There's this plan of, of wisdom that he has according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself. That, here's the purpose of it, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ. Well, what are the things in Christ? There's things in heaven and earth. He says this here in a second. He tells us where this is. Notice, gather together in one, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even what? In him. There's a purpose for this. There's a reason behind this. He says, here's, here's the plan, and everything's going according to plan. Let's see how many people. You remember watching the A-Team? Anybody watch that back in the day? I love it when a plan comes together. God's plan is always going to come together. And what he's saying here is, here's my plan. You can get on board with my plan or not. If you're on board with my plan, guess what? You're now part of my plan. 
you don't choose to get on board with the plan, guess what? You're not part of the plan. But he's saying, here's what I'm planning. I'm planning to do something, and what I'm doing matches exactly what my pleasure is. <laughs> it's his good pleasure. Notice. <clears throat> Verse 11. In whom also... Don't you love that word, also? Here's a bunch of stuff that you have. Also, here's some more things. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance... Notice that he says that we have what? Obtained. That's past tense, right? This is something you've already got. You've got this inheritance. An obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Which, by the way, we're privy to and know and understand. Or at least have access to. Verse 12. Why? that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. You go through and you look at that stuff. This is written to the folks in Ephesus who he's writing in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, he says what? Be strong in the who? The Lord. Understand who you are. Go back and read Ephesians chapter 1 if you need to remind yourself of all the things that I've given you, all the things that I've, given, that I've blessed you with. Notice, those are things that you have because you're in the Lord and be strong there. Take a stand there. Because if you don't take a stand there, every time something comes about, you're like, am I really accepted? Do I really have all, all the stuff that he says I had? But he's saying what? Be strong in the Lord. And in what? The power of his might. Well, <laughs> that's over in Ephesians chapter 3. We looked at that back at the conference. Go real quick. Ephesians chapter 3. <clears throat> this is one of Paul's many prayers. Verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That. Here's the purpose. Here's the purpose of him bowing his knees to the Father. That. He would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Now we've looked at that. How rich is his glory? You, you stop when you think about that. You remember when, when, when Moses asked God, show me your glory. What's he do? Shows him his backside. And then what he does is he, he gives him a list of things and what's interesting is that list of things shows up as the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. His goodness, His mercy, His love, His joy, His peace, the long-suffering. You look at all that stuff and you're like, the fruit of the Spirit is God choosing to put His attributes on display, His glory on display through us. That's what He's saying. And him, I'm going to grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit, where? In the inner man. 
that. Here's the purpose. Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That purpose of him dwelling in your hearts by faith is that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ. There's five things there, right? Which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to what? The power that worketh where? In us. Unto him be glory in the church by, Jesus, by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. So when we get over here to Ephesians 6 and Paul says what? Be strong in the Lord. Understand your positions that you have. The, 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 all the spiritual blessings that I've given you in, in Christ. And also the power that works in us. That works in us mightily. He says understand. Though, you have to go back and understand Ephesians chapter 1. Paul's thinking by the time you get here and you're reading, finally, my brethren, you've read the first chapter of the book of Ephesians. That's his thinking. And if not, he's saying what? Go back and reread it. And also Ephesians chapter 3. Notice here, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. <coughs> Why would we need armor of God? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness. Where? It's those little G gods that we're talking about in Sunday school. The high, the, the high places. He's saying, those folks out there, that's who you're fighting against. Don't get caught up left, right, blue, red, all that stuff. He says, where should your fight be? Get in the book. He's, he's going down through here. He's bringing out these issues of, of, of the whole armor, and he says what? The purpose of it, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that, here's the purpose, you may be able to withstand in the evil day. By the way, you're living in the evil day. The time period in which we live, Paul calls the evil day. That's where we're living. And having done all to stand, he says what? Stand there for. So the point there is what? Stand now. Take a stand now. Be prepared to fight a drop of a hat. And it's not fight with, well, you think this verse says this and I say it's that. And that's not what he's talking about. There is a reason we're going through that stuff with the lowercase g gods over there on Sunday school so that we'll know who we're dealing with. When you deal with a person, you're not just dealing with that person. You're dealing with a religious system that's behind that person. As we said earlier, even if they're agnostic or, or any of that, there's a religious system that they're in tune to. God's placed it in every person to worship something. Sometimes it's one of those little G-gods. That system is what we're actually having to deal with. That person is in that system, so we better need, we need to know what that system is so we can deal with them effectively. Then he goes down through here. <clears throat> he says what? Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, 
having, the, having on the, the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Normally, folks, stop there. What's verse 18 say? Praying. A lot of people disagree, and that's fine. I believe prayer is part of that armor. It's the result of all that stuff. Part of, part of putting that on is praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching therein too with all perseverance and, and, and supplication for all saints. That issue there of praying and supplication in the Spirit, it's not the hostile Shonda Sima Tama Bota stuff. It's what? Praying in who you are in Christ. You can't pray properly if you don't know who you are in Christ and know who you're fighting against and know who you're battling. And otherwise, we're going to fall on our own power and our own thinking to be able to fix the, fix the problem. But the prayer and what? Supplication. You know, we've said this, we've said this before. Is <clears throat> you never know that you're lost or that you need a Savior until you find out you're lost. You never know you need God until you find out you need Him. And what Paul is saying here is don't wait until you need Him to go find Him. Go find Him and stand there so that when you need Him, you've already got Him. We've, we've also mentioned before, when it comes time to stand for the truth, you shouldn't spend time getting up out of the seat. You should already be standing. That's an easier thing said than done sometimes. But that's what he's dealing with there. And praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for who? For all saints. Now, go back over to 1 Timothy chapter 2. <clears throat> There's some things here that he's dealing with. The folks here at, at Ephesus, and that's why we go back to Ephesians to remind them. Did the folks in Ephesus know what was in the book of Ephesians? Was Timothy preaching the things that was written in the book of Ephesians, along with others? Yes. So did they have access to the same thing that we have access to? And the answer is yes. So should there had been someone preaching another doctrine? Shouldn't have been. <laughs> should there have been somebody there that was giving heed to fables? Shouldn't have been. Were there folks there that were given over to endless genealogies? Shouldn't have been, right? They had access to the same book that you and I have. Do we know folks in our lives that are teaching other doctrine, following fables, <laughs> endless genealogies? Yes. We said, we said, past few weeks we mentioned this. The world... The world that our current country is in, it's not, it's not, it just didn't happen over the last, since COVID. That has been going on for the last 60 years plus. It's just we're now seeing the result of the last 60 years. The church, the church in the United States became like a lot of these guys that, were, that you can read about in here and you can read about in 2 Timothy. 
they were doing exactly what, what Paul says don't do to folks in 1 Timothy. They were giving up to those things. But he says over here, 1 Timothy 2, 3, he says what? For this is good, which means what? This is part of what, I, what we should be doing is what? Praying, supplications, prayers, inter, inter, intercessions and all. It's acceptable. Go real quick. Go back to uh, Job 32. <clears throat> Job 32, we're, we're in the middle of Job answering these questions. And you get here to Elihu. Notice, notice towards the end of chapter 32. Um, let's just start here for time's sake. Let's start down here at um, verse, seven, verse 18, verse 17. I said, I will answer also my part. I also will show mine opinion. For I am full of matter, the spirit within me constraineth me. Behold, my belly is as wine which hath no vent. It is ready to burst like new bottles. I will speak that I may be refreshed. I will open my lips and answer. Let me not, I pray you, accept any man's person. Neither let me give flattering titles unto man. For I know not to give flattering titles. In so doing, my maker would soon take me away. Wherefore, Job, I pray thee, hear my speeches and hearken to all my words. And you go on down through there. When you look at verse 21, what's he saying? <clears throat> Let me not, I pray you, accept any man's person. When you think of something, what do we know? Does God accept any man's person today? No. And the point of that is what? There was a time where God said, nation of Israel, you're my people. I'm going to work through you. Gentiles, you're not. Now you get to the point where Jew and Gentile are both one. They're both, really, they're all heathen. He says what? I accept no man's person because you're all the same. I'm not looking to say one person is above another or not. But here's what's interesting. When you think of this, this issue of being accepted, we're accepted where? So that makes you what? acceptable because of who you are in Christ, right? If you think about that, he says, let me not, I pray you, accept any man's person, neither let me give flattering titles unto men. <clears throat> Don't we do that today? Just give flattering titles to men? <clears throat> I think of this. Um, I've, I've read through, we'll get to First Timothy chapter 3. What's interesting is I've never seen the title senior pastor. Uh, <laughs> pastor of music ministries. You know, there's titles. We want to, because why? Because we want to make a person, let's listen to this guy. Yeah, you look at that stuff. Anyway, um, Galatians chapter 2. 
Yeah. The position's real. And the title, yeah. That, that's, that's what's interesting about that stuff, right? Galatians chapter 2. Talking about this. Galatians chapter 2. We'll start here in verse start here in verse 4 and of course we know what's going on with the folks here in Galatia which by the way is the same problem that they had over in Ephesus too right you got people desiring to be teachers of the law and put people back under the law this is slightly a little bit later on but notice Galatians chapter 2 verse 4 and because of false brethren unawares brought in who came in privately to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus that they might bring us into bondage to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of these who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me why. God accepteth no man's person. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. Now, you take that and you think about the issue of are we accepted now? We're accepted in the beloved, not because of what we've done or because of anything like that. But he's saying what? Don't get caught up in the titles and things like that. Right? And of course, a lot of folks do. Now, back over, go to, go to Romans chapter 12 real quick. This is kind of where we left off last time, but... I'll make these connections again. We have the same issue over here. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Notice, holy. What? Acceptable unto God because you've done a bunch of good stuff. No. By the way, it's the living sacrifice that he's saying is acceptable that you're presenting your body as. He says, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your what? Reasonable service. Now, we mentioned that last time. That's that issue of what? I'm going to choose to give my body up no matter what it costs for what? For that message. That's the idea. When, when Paul in Ephesians, and he brings up that issue of submitting yourselves, wives submit yourselves to your husband, husbands to your wife, the point of that is what? It's not, I've got to do everything you tell me to do. It's make the conscious decision to say, I'm going to put you first, no matter what it costs me. That's the idea. And that's what we have here. And Paul calls it what? It's a reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Why should we be doing that? That you may prove what is that good, which means it matches the pattern, right? Acceptable, which is that issue of the holy and acceptable unto God. And what? Perfect will of God. Do you know what the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God is? If we don't, we, where do we find it? We've got to find it in the book. There's a specific place to look. Some of it we looked at in Ephesians. 
there's an issue there. there. There is a way for us to live our life that matches exactly what God wants it to be. And you notice he doesn't say that there's a bad part of it. <laughs> it's either good, acceptable, or perfect. And if we can live a good and acceptable, perfect will of God, that means we have to have access to it. And of course we do. Back over in 1 Timothy chapter 2. <clears throat> part of what he's doing here in the first two verses is here's, how, here's, here's where we want to start off. First of all, <clears throat> verse 3, he says, Why? For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Now that brings up a whole other thing. Notice in verse 4, Who will have all men to be saved? Who is it that God wants to be saved? Could you have preached that prior to Acts 9? Couldn't have. And we'll take a look at this. And here's why. Notice. <clears throat> Who will allow all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So there's two parts there. Why? For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who what? gave himself a ransom for how many all are there bible are there, are there bible verses that say something different than that in your scriptures so since the words matter and there's not a word that's just flippant and thrown in there for no reason and filler then that verse means something and the thing that it means, notice, to be testified in what? There is a particular time when Jesus Christ is going to be set forth as a ransom for all that he wasn't a ransom for all prior to. You notice that issue he says to be testified when? In due time. There was a particular time that God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Godhead, before the foundation of the world says... We're going to do this, and we're going to keep something secret, and at the particular right time, we're going to what? Reveal it. you got to pay attention to that, right? Now, that'll be what we have to deal with next week, but I want you to keep that in mind, and notice whereunto I, who's writing? Paul, I am ordained a preacher and apostle, I speak the truth in Christ and lie not a teacher of the who? Gentiles in faith and verity. Now there's, there's something we've got to pay attention to there, right? And we'll have to be able to do that. But what I want us to think about before we get to that issue, to just put that in your mind for next week, everything that we have, God has revealed to us His goodwill, His acceptable will, and the perfect will, and he says what? Go be a part of that. Part of it has to do with what? 
all men be saved, and then what? Come to the knowledge of the truth. When you preach the truth, you're standing up for it. When you preach the gospel, you're standing up for it. Those are the two things we're here for. Preach the gospel, come to the knowledge of the truth. Personally, you're to believe the gospel and then what? Come to the knowledge of the truth. And then now your goal is to what? Go preach the gospel and what? Bring those to the knowledge of the truth. Now, who's he talking to here? Again, he's talking to Timothy, who's the pastor of a what? A local church. And the local church is the issue. Now, I know not everybody has a local church to go to. We didn't for years. <clears throat> I thank the Lord for you all. Um, for many, many other reasons, but that that's something that we can all now do is be a part of that. And I praise the Lord for it.